The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Thursday edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios here in Lexington. And we will chat today, as we typically do on Thursdays, with Mike Pratt, my UK network broadcast partner, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and Anna Trillo, who is the new co-host of the BBN Tonight Show that's seen around the state each evening on the UK Sports TV Network. So that's our guest lineup as we jump into the Wildcat news of the day. And we'll start with uh, a little news off the recruiting front for both Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball. On the football side, Kentucky is one of five finalists for one of the top defensive ends in Kentucky. His name is Michael Williams, and he was considered a, a strong lean to Georgia and was expected uh, I think by a lot of folks to commit to Georgia this month, but he has decided to postpone his commitment for the time being and take some more visits. He tells rivals that Mark Stoops has, quote, recruited the heck out of him, and that uh, Kentucky's in there with Georgia, Georgia Tech, LSU, and Southern Cal. And Kentucky, uh, I'm guessing this guy from reading about him, maybe I would think they might view him in the Josh Allen mode, perhaps. Somebody can really uh, be a dynamic pass rusher for them down the road if they could land him. So uh, Kentucky is swimming in the deep waters when it comes to recruiting, but if you... The goals that they aspire to hit, that's where you need to be swimming. And if they could land this young man, that would be quite a coup. So that'll be one to follow. Uh, on the basketball side, a uh, report from Ben Roberts at the Herald-Leader says that five-star shooting guard Trevor Keels is now, according to the analysts that follow these this uh, recruiting scene, think Duke has the edge over Villanova. Kentucky came on the scene late here and is one of his finalists. The decision date that he has set is April 4th, so next weekend, for Trevor Keels, one of the top shooting guards in the country. And again, Duke over Villanova is where the recruiting analysts are seeing it at this point. A couple of future Wildcats have won State Player of the Year awards. The most recent is Bryce Hopkins. Uh, Max Preps named him Player of the Year for the State of Illinois. And he, of course, is a future Wildcat, as is Damian Collins, who won a similar honor from Max Preps for the state of Texas last week. Uh, Hopkins, now Collins is more in the mold of uh, uh, Jackson, it would seem, a um, guy who is a great shot blocker, uh, not particularly thick, but a great leaper, whereas uh, Hopkins is 6'7", 220. Uh, you got Oscar Shibway, who's uh, more of a tight end type build. So Kentucky figures to be, uh, at least in body type, uh, capable of being more physical next season. Uh, we'll see who they continue to land. We'll talk about a little bit of this with uh, our guests today. But uh, if uh, Cal goes into that uh, transfer portal as, as uh, strongly as is expected, then uh, there still could be a lot of um, or some degree of moving and shaking to that Kentucky roster. Uh, Kentucky Volleyball sweeps Alabama 3 nothing yesterday 
And the third-ranked Wildcats will play their final scheduled game of the regular season uh, tonight, match against Alabama, also at the Coliseum. Uh, you can uh, watch it on SEC Network Plus and uh, ESPN3 with uh, Dick Gabriel and Kathy DeBoer. And there could be makeup games still for Kentucky, as Coach Skinner told us yesterday, but a nice win last night. And then UK softball was upset at Western Kentucky. The Hilltoppers get a walk-off 2-1 to win over Kentucky, the seventh-ranked team in the country, just the third loss in 23 games. Coach Rachel, Rachel Lawson's squad, and they'll come back and uh, host number three Alabama uh, this weekend at John Crop Stadium. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find them on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios. Return, refresh, and refuel at one of the 67 locations for Clark's Pump and Shop all throughout Central Kentucky. They follow CDC guidelines for COVID-19. Most of them feature a drive-up window. Freshly brewed sweet tea at the Clark's Cafe with pure cane sugar, 32 ounces, just 99 cents. You can get fried chicken or, or 12 Cajun tenders for $13.99. And at those crispy, crunchy locations, a blueberry biscuit is just 69 cents. At Clark's Pump and Shop, return, refresh, and refuel. Mike Pratt, when we come right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. Quarter past the top of the hour, and we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Mike Pratt. And, Mike, how's that bracket looking? Um, I uh, I entered one, Tom, with uh, with my cousin up in Dayton, and at his work, he said, ah, oh, come on, get in this. So I entered it. I had to call him Sunday and ask him to go out in the backyard and bury that thing, but give it a proper funeral. <laughs> So I'm, I'm not doing well, but I do have. Now listen, I, you know, if you're going to do Final Four, I have uh, three of my four alive. I had Illinois in there, and uh, of course they lost. But I have three of my four. If that's worth anything, but I doubt it. Oh <laughs> uh, well, and this year with so many upsets, if you can get three of the Final Four in there, you got a shot. So don't th- don't yeah, bury that I, thing yet. I, I took uh, Alabama as a long shot, along with. Uh, the Zags and Baylor. You know, I've been on, big on Baylor uh, all year, as you well know. And uh, I don't know if that COVID thing has set them back, but um, you know, they, they've got a heck of a well-rounded ball club at both ends of the floor. So, uh, you know, hey, it's been fun, hasn't it? I mean, we we should call this the NC High Seed Double A tournament. <laughs> All the high seeds are still alive. It is. Uh, it's been quite a tournament. It's been. You know, I miss it. You miss it. Big Blue Nation misses it. But you talk about fun things to watch, man. You, if you only watch the last ten minutes of some of these games, you've got some really terrific uh, basketball. Oh, there was some some fantastic. Uh, games to watch over the weekend and um you know you just kind of it's it's been such an incredible run here uh these last this last decade that uh you kind of take things for granted there was a stretch when you and i uh the first what three uh 
four years we worked together, they were always on the second weekend. Then there was a stretch of, what, 06, 07, 08, 09, where Kentucky wasn't playing on the second weekend for four uh, years in a row. And so when uh, Cal came and Kentucky was rolling again in 2010, that was so much fun. And um, so now, you know, just uh, it's it's disappointing when you're not part of it, uh, when you're used to it. Um, I have uh, no doubt that they'll – uh, bounce back next year and and do what Kentucky typically does, but it's going to be interesting to see you know how the roster shakes out. Um, m- most of the coming and going decisions I think have been made at this point. Uh, don't think you know the certainly Boston and Clark. I don't think was a, the, those guys were a surprise to either one of us. Um, were you surprised that Isaiah left the door open to to come back depending and depending on what he hears? Yeah, no. No, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't surprised because if you watched him like we did, the, the the sole reason you would draft him is that you could take him and work with him for a couple years, uh, you know, two or three years to get his total game together. No question he's a freaky athlete. There's no question. And when he wanted to, okay, when he wanted to, he could board he gets put back. He was a, a, a solid foul shooter. But then other times, you know, teams would bait him into fouls, and he would yeah. do the, the foul thing. His, his offense, he, he just doesn't have a good feel for his offense. So why I'm saying that is, you know, this game has become, in the NBA, stretch four, even stretch fives. And now he'll be okay going out defensively now. He can go laterally with most players. But his offense is so rough right now that, you know, you would take him outside of the lottery. The guys I'm talking to said he could go as high as 18. He could go as low as 30. And it, it's kind of a range depending on how things shake out, how, how the, the draft status of each team shakes out. But he, he is, uh, he's a tempting fellow. If you can put in the time, if you can take a pick and say, look, I'm going to just put him into Chile, make sure he gets minutes. I'm not going to let him sit on the bench. I'm going to play him and work with him, and in a couple of years from now, you you could you could have a heck of a player. I never thought uh, Boston was was coming back, but uh, I thought that the you could make a good case to do it because uh, he, you know you'd have the potential to maybe play your way up substantially in on the pay scale in a second year. Uh, but uh, Jackson, it sounds like from if what you're what you're hearing, uh, the second half of the first round, that uh, that opportunity might be there for him if he and his family can strongly consider it. Yeah, um, I, I think it's there. It's a shame that uh, some other things going on in the NCAA uh, haven't come to fruition uh, for these young fellows. Uh, but he's it's it's how quick. You know, it's how quick you can get to the second contract, okay? So if you go in now and you got two or three years that they're going to polish you up, your value is not as great, I would think. And, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. But if you stay another year and you come out of Kentucky more polished, better off, then I think you're going to get to a higher pick and ultimately get to that second contract, which is the uh, – uh, you make money for your family for the rest of their life ticket, you know? <laughs> what uh, What are you hearing as far as your NBA contacts on uh, BJ or uh, Terrence Clark? Uh, no, no one's really talking about Clark. Uh, and uh, BJ, uh, second round, 
but uh, not a lot of conversation about either one of them. Uh, it hasn't been a lot of conversation. My guys just, they want to talk about Jackson, okay? And then and, and then they'll ask about Boston. But the most uh, the, the most questions come about Jackson and or, you know, what's wrong with the team? What do you think's wrong? You know, that type of deal, just basketball talk, not individual talk. So I, I'm, I'm afraid, I hope those guys don't go the way of uh, Montgomery, EJ, he could have come back last year, really improved himself. Uh, and, and Ashton, Ashton could have used another year too. So I, I hope these guys don't go that way um, as far as their NBA career. Yeah, I, I still think uh, your assessment of the situation is always the, the best is, do you want to visit the NBA or stay in the NBA? And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you you make the move. Now, sometimes you might, you know, make the move for economic reasons. If somebody's going to draft you in the in the lottery on potential, then, you know, there's not a whole lot of upside left to tap into. But, um, you know, if there's still that uh, upside on the pay scale to tap into and to, uh, you know, improve your game, uh, improve your brand, uh, there's an economic side to that, too, at a place like, you know, Kentucky, uh, that uh, there is a there, there's ample reason to consider doing what quickly did or what pj washington did absolutely and nick richards uh, yeah nick and, and, and those guys in, in willie Collie stein and pj i mean there's you can't you can't count your money before it's time to count your money okay and that's what's driving this all is the money monetarily uh, and they all say well i had a this dream, all these kids coming out of college, I had this dream of playing in the NBA. Well, that may be true for a lot of people, uh, but the fact of the matter, it, you're still motivated by money. So you've got to look at it this way and say, okay, I want this job because it pays a lot. And this is what I always wanted to do. But can you can you get to that pays a lot right away? If you can, then go for it. But I think that People around these young fellows and these young fellows think because they dominated in AAU, possibly, that they're going to you know, play in the NBA. The fact of the matter is the guys are older, the guys are further developed, and maybe a whole lot more talented uh, than you saw them last in the AAU or you saw them last in college. I mean, uh, the little guy from Wichita State is, is my great example. What's that little guy? Van Fred Lee? Van Vliet. We saw him, Tom. I'm going like the G League, okay, overseas. This guy spent time in the G League, and look no, at yeah. him now with Toronto. And so, I mean, you're better I than thought, him. Uh, Cle- I thought Clay Anthony Early, I mean, that day that Kentucky beat them, Clay Anthony Early, Ron Baker were far and away the, the you know, uh, two of the best players on the floor, certainly for Wichita State. And um, it's uh, Van Vliet that's had the longest career in the NBA. Yeah, they, they all uh, had a drink of water in the NBA, but – this kid has is, is become a solid player, big contract. And, and so you think you're better than this guy? Now, I know he's going to get old and retire, but before he does that, you may have uh, not accomplished what you need to accomplish. You know, it's all a gamble. And, and you can't – I think they underestimate what it really takes to make the league and then develop. I, I think that's the biggest problem young folks have and, and the people around them. Got to get to a quick break. Mike Pratt's with us. We'll continue the visit after this timeout. This is the Leach Report Radio Network, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. 
It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Chat with Mike Pratt. You can follow him on Twitter at MikePratt22. And Mike, on the all the upsets in this first uh, couple of rounds of the tournament, who are the which upsets surprised you the most? Oh man! Uh, well, I would say <clears throat> that Oral Roberts was it. Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, right? Fifteen over a two. That was a shocker because I thought Ohio State really was playing well, and and uh, at the end of the season they doing some things, but. Uh, you know, some guys just got stone cold, cold, stone cold uh, shooting wise, and that was kind of uh, kind of the end of that. That was a huge upset. And then, of course, uh, I mean, Syracuse's run has been interesting. Buddy Behar, can he shoot the ball or what? And that one-three-one zone uh, or two-three zone that morphs into all kinds of things um, it has really struggled. It, it's it have made people struggle in this game with Syracuse and Houston, Tom, and you go back to when we played Houston uh, back in the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago. But this uh, this zone, uh, it'll be interesting what Houston does with this zone. And, and here's why. Houston is athletic as heck. I've watched them all year like them. But the one pimple they have is they struggle to shoot the ball from the outside, which is different than the Houston team we played. So they're going to see this one three one and or two three, and, and they don't see that often. And if you're struggling with your outside shooting, okay, you got you got problems. You, you got to knock down the the uh, available shot, or you're not going to get very far against the zone inside or in the paint. So I think that's an interesting matchup: Syracuse and Houston. Yeah, I was watching. West Virginia attacked that zone, and it uh, reminded me of the Kentucky game, uh, that second game against Florida when they were playing so much zone, and Kentucky guys were just standing and holding the ball. And uh, Cal talked about it after the game, and uh, they couldn't get them to uh, to attack and get inside the, the zone, and West Virginia was doing the same thing. And then when they would throw it into the middle, uh, it was wide open, and nobody seemed to want to do anything <laughs> when they got the ball there to that open spot. Mike, got to run. Uh, appreciate the time. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You too, bud. That's Mike Pratt, at Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, it is the second half of the Leach Report for Thursday. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Uh, we'll start on the football side with spring practice underway. And new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen uh, did a media session this week. Justin, uh, several interesting nuggets of information came out of that. Uh, what were some of the ones that interested you the most that you heard? I think, you know, him saying that he was pleased with the wide receivers. You know, I think a couple of times he's talked about how they've been pretty efficient and pretty clean in the passing game just during the install portion of it. And, and you know, obviously what he said about Chris Rodriguez, you know, committing to get him the ball as much as possible, 25 carries. Almost, he almost said it like it was a no-brainer. I think will be, you know, music to the ears of some Kentucky fans, and he's going to obviously have a very featured role in the offense. Yeah, the um... – 
for Sirod, it's going to be a little bit uh, of an addition to his game with maybe more involvement in the pass catching role. Yeah, if he wants to have a future in the NFL, that's something that they're going to have to show off. So I think even more important for him than for Kentucky, they've tried to throw to some backs in the past. Kavosia Smoke and, and A.J. Rose showed some flashes at a time, but they've never really thrown to, to C-Rod, which leads me to think it just hasn't been a strength of his. But I would imagine that, that's what they're really going to be honing in on focusing for him the next the next few months. Yeah, Cleveland Thomas is a, is a good example of uh, you know, just kind of hanging in there and keep battling and things could break your way at some point because it seemed like there were times he would um, be near the top of the depth chart, it seemed, at one of those slot positions and then uh, it never really clicked in for him. And now he's getting a, a lot of positive comments, it seems, from Coach Cohen where he could find his way back into the mix. That's right. Yeah, I remember the camp that he was at as a high schooler at Kentucky where he got he got the offer and he committed, and he was just a dog, and that that's kind of overused, but he's a really blue-collar guy. He's not going to be outworked, and when Bowden went to quarterback, he kind of stepped in at that slot position and took the snaps that he had been getting there, and then last year, it was, a, it was kind of a mystery of the offense. It just never materialized for him. I mean, he's not a burner. He doesn't have great speed, but apparently his route running and and his competitiveness, for sure, has, has caught the attention of the coaching staff. Now, the big question is who's going to be throwing the ball to these guys, and um, how do you think uh, that is shaking out at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I've heard good things about all of them. I even heard some good things about Kaya Sharon this uh, this week. Um, but I, it's just going to be hard to say until Will Levis gets there because I've, uh, you know, I've always felt like he's going to factor in very heavily to it. He's a guy that... You know, if he took the Wonderlick test, he would score very high on it. He's a very, very intelligent guy, and we know that Cohen likes him and knows a lot about him. So I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I, I, it's just not a quarterback competition in earnest until he gets there. Well, I would think you know you don't take that guy into your program without thinking he's going to be at least a you know a, a serious contender. Yeah, absolutely, and you know. Physically, he's got it. Penn State saw him as like a running kind of Tebow-like fullback quarterback up the middle, and you just look at the practice film of his arm and the fact that he's so smart. I think if you could just really tie all of that together, Cohen's probably thinking this guy has a very high ceiling. And the thing that I kept on coming back to, and I've said it before, would Joey or Bo have been Penn State's number two quarterback ahead of him last year? I don't think you can say that. I don't think he probably would have been. That doesn't mean they're not going to beat him out, but he's, he's going to factor in for sure. Yeah, I would uh, think they're, and, and I'm, uh, I mean, I haven't uh, seen any of their practices yet, but uh, I would think there would be a heightened sense of urgency for those two guys in particular because you have a chance to get a head start on this guy that's coming in, who's but won't be here until the summer. So, you know, if you're uh, Bo Allen, Joey Gatewood, you have a chance to, to make your case uh, while there is less competition, and that's the time to do it. Yeah, for sure. There's only so much that Levis can do right now. And, you know, it just seems like all returns are. Cohen's pretty pleased with how they're putting in the work. And, you know, he's taught it's not a time for competition right now. He just wants to make sure that everybody's on the same page. But it's certainly a good sign when he says not a lot of balls have been have been hit in the ground. So, so they're off to a good start, it seems like. With uh, just some of the things Cohen talked about, said the other day he's not a, a big stat guy. Um, what do you uh, like or not like about anything you're hearing from uh, the way he's uh, approaching his new job yeah i think when he 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 said that uh stats are for losers so i felt a little weird about asking the question but he uh he said that the run game efficiency 
So how often are your runs just solid, successful runs, and then explosiveness in the passing game were the two things. And they haven't really had the explosiveness in the passing game since, I guess, Jeff Bidette was going over the top for Steven Johnson a few years ago. Uh, and so Josh Ali's going to help with that a lot. I don't think Wandale is probably the, the, the explosive play. He's not a 60-yard play guy. He's more of a 20-yard play guy. But, you know, that'll open up, you know, the, the perimeter if he can work the middle of the field like I'm sure they hope he will. Yeah, I think there are, and this is true for any sport, uh, stats that can be, you know, uh, really meaningful data for you to have that, that uh, tell you something meaningful about uh, your team, and then other things that are just, you know, nuggets of, of information that, and an example would be, I can always think of in basketball, is something like bench scoring. Now, if you typically play 10, 10 11 guys, and you're not getting you know production on a bench in a given game or a given stretch that could be significant. If you're playing one or two guys off the bench, then it's probably not. So um, there are some stats that can be more meaningful than others. Yeah, I remember I, I rhetorically asked, "When's the last time Kentucky had a guy average 11 points a game like Mintz and lead the team in scoring?" And somebody quickly told me, "Well, it was, it was Harrison, you know, back on the platoon team." And that's kind of a different. A different story, and you think about yards per game on defense. Everybody, Brad White told me this spring before practice began that you know the only thing that really matters on defense is yards per is points per possession. How many points are you giving up per possession as a defense? Because if you're Kentucky, you only see sixty plays from the other team. That's a very different story than if you're seeing you know a hundred plays in the Big Twelve. So you know the stats are great, and we've got more of them than ever, but they need context. Uh, Mikel Williams, a uh, player that's one of the top defensive ends in the country. Kentucky's in the Final Five with him. What kind of shot do you think they have? Uh, I know I know Mark Stoops has been involved with him. And I know Jets John Summerall's guy in, uh, in, in that part of the country, and he's got Kentucky in it for a couple of top 250 guys nationally. I don't think he's going to Kentucky. I think he'll probably end up in an Alabama or a Georgia or a place like that. But, I mean, just to have Kentucky's hat on the table – with guys like that in the South, that's kind of the Trevin Wallace factor. You know, people are going to recognize in, in the years ahead, they're going to see this kid's a big-time player. You can be a big-time player from the South and go to Kentucky, but I think Michael's going to be hard to get. Take a quick break. About 18 away from the top of the hour. We'll continue with Justin Rowland in just a moment. From CatsIllustrated.com on Twitter, it is at Roland Rivals. We'll be right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Back to Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Uh, one of our listeners, Gene, writes into LeachReport at gmail.com. Says he doesn't know how much Cal can resolve his roster issues for next year with six returning players and four signees. That's actually three signees and a, and a transfer with uh, Sheboy from West Virginia. But he said that already puts him at 10. Cal prefers a short rotation, so uh, how is he going to add the missing pieces? How do you think it shakes out? Well, I mean, the good thing is I don't think he has to fix the whole roster. If you just look at who he's got him back, he's going to have a little more experience than he had last year. He's going to have Oscar and Damian in the front court, and I think that can be pretty good. It looks like there are some more front court options that are interested in transferring in. It's really just about getting some difference makers, maybe one or two real difference makers in the backcourt who improve the shooting and maybe give you a little playmaking, a little, a little scoring creation uh, in the backcourt. So I would, say, I would say, first off, it's just fixing the backcourt. It's not you've got to fix the whole thing. One of your uh, writers who's uh, 
guest on our show from time to time, Coach David Sis, uh, was writing about Kellen Grady, the uh, transfer prospect from Davidson uh, at CatsIllustrated.com. Um, is uh, what, what do you th- th- is the the, po- the point guard the the key spot for Cal? Is it uh, another shooter? What? How do you think he prioritizes what he's looking for in in transfers or recruits? Somebody like Grady would be really nice because, you know, I don't think he's ever averaged less than 17 points. He's a two-time all-conference player. He knocks down 36% from outside, and he's primarily played the point. So that would seem to be the best of all worlds. Now, we've seen that, you know, certain numbers at at certain schools don't always translate exactly at Kentucky where where the competition and everything is different. But, But, yeah, I mean, I think if you could, you know, kill two birds with one stone and get a shooter who can also run the show... That would be ideal. And we saw the end of the season, you know, they had problems, but Mintz was doing some things as more of a lead guard that, that I don't think they had had before that. You guys at uh, CatsIllustrated.com are doing some detailed analysis on returning guys. Uh, one of the recent ones was Jacob Toppin. Uh, anything in particular that was particularly interesting that you found from the deep dive into the numbers? You know, for some of those guys, the, there have been some eye-popping numbers. But for Toppin, I think it's just the fact that he played 17 minutes a game. And the effect on other players, what it says about how, how Calipari feels about the roster. I thought Keon was kind of going to be similar to P.J. going into his sophomore year, only in his junior year, but really Toppin was taking some of his minutes at the end of the season. There were other factors for that, but, I mean, he was playing 25 minutes a game in several of those last games and not doing any one thing extremely well, but doing kind of everything a little better than probably anybody anticipated. So if he's coming back, he's going to be a big part of the program's future. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a lot of upside when you get if you get him stronger, get him a full off season and a weight program, and um, I, I think he can. You know, his his stroke looks good enough that I think he could be a mid thirty percent three point shooter. And uh, obviously, Cal likes the look of him as a uh, a guy who could guard multiple positions on the perimeter. Yeah, you got a guy comes in with a calling card of being a tremendous athlete, but extremely raw and six nine. I think he takes thirty one percent from three in his first season absolutely i mean that's just again not not one thing that he does exceptionally well but he was competent in a lot of parts of the game and he makes you longer gives you versatility he's just so athletic and again like you said he's a guy that if the light goes on he could just he could be barely recognizable a few years from now he has that kind of potential it's uh, catsillustrated.com where you can find the work of justin Rowland and his team at Roland rivals on twitter thank you thanks tom Justin joins us every Thursday here on the show. We're going to take a quick break. Anna Tarullo from BBN Tonight when we come right back on the Leach Report. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You'll find them in Hamburg and in Palomar. That Hamburg location has a big expanded patio area now that you can have access to with this nice weather that we're having most of the time. It's going to be a little rainy today, but a really nice weekend coming up. We'll be right back. Back into the Leach Report for this Thursday. We welcome on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline Anna Tarillo, who's the new co-host with Keith Farmer on the BBN Tonight Show on the UK TV network around the state. Welcome back to the Bluegrass of Kentucky, Anna. Thank you so much, Tom. It feels so good to be here. Uh, give our listeners a little background on, um, you know, I think uh, you are Louisville native, right? That's exactly correct. I'm a Louisville native, went to Sacred Heart, grew up there. Parents are both from Louisville, but longtime Kentucky fan here. Only bleed blue. 
Um, I went to the University of Georgia, got my career start in New York, Washington, D.C., and I was most recently in West Virginia and then just uh, made the move over here about two weeks ago, and I'm just thrilled to be back. It feels so good to be home, and this is my first time living in Lexington, and oh my gosh, I'm just blown away. I knew I would like it, but I had no idea I would just love it as much as I do. So those Kentucky fans in Louisville are kind of, I always say, fighting on the front lines of the rivalry. So how did you become a Kentucky fan in the Ville? Yeah, well, you know what? I think it sharpens you as a Kentucky fan when you have to deal with all your friends at school who are half Louisville fans and, you know, even your family in your own household. I think, you know, your arguments, they got to be better. you got to be on. you got to be alert at all times. But I, I think my dad, you know, we just respect college basketball in our household, basketball it just in particular. And um, so my dad, I think when it comes down to it, he would be a Kentucky fan. But, you know, he grew up taking us, or I grew up, he took me to Louisville games um, probably more frequently than Kentucky games because they were just in our backyard. But it was my first time in Rupp Arena, and I don't know what it was ever since I was a little girl. Just you say the winningest program in college basketball. You go to Rupp Arena, there's the guys in the blue coats. Uh, they play that montage. It's just historically just on the tip of the tongue of everyone on a national um, landscape of just a storied program, and I loved that. It took one time being in Rubber I think my eyes watered uh, the first time that I went. Uh, there's just so much pride, and I think a lot of that comes from the fan base and working in other areas of the country and seeing, even going down to Georgia for school, and realizing that, hey, even a fan base like that, it's not like Kentucky. It's not like everywhere where that is just your sole thing that you care about. And I love that, and I feel so lucky to be a part of that now. Did you what, Did you do anything sports-related down at UGA? I sure did. I worked with um, IMG there. So I uh, covered, I believe starting around my junior year, I covered uh, all the athletics, got to do some football and uh, it was a blast, but, you know, they knew me as a Kentucky fan. My senior year was that Willie Colley-Stein, Call Anthony Towns year, and uh, working for the athletic department for my news uh, journalism class. I was on the sideline that game, and I was wearing blue earrings and I think maybe some blue pants, and they were like, Anna. I was like, guys, you know, you knew this about me. This is not a secret. <laughs> what about uh, favorite team or uh, player for the Wildcats as you were coming up as a Wildcat fan? Yeah, okay, so my favorite player, and I just got the Twitter follow, like, yesterday. I was like, yes, it's Chuck Hayes, because he was undersized, uh, big man, you know, defense, rebounding, gritty guy, and that was me. I wanted to be a post player so bad. I'm 5'5", five five, so, you know, it didn't really pan out. I didn't get a scholarship from UConn, obviously, but um, I wanted to be Kareem with my post moves, so I loved those undersized uh, dogs down there in the post. He was probably my favorite um, Carl Towns, I just loved his spirit and his energy on the team, too. Uh, Kalina Azabuki was another favorite as well. It's uh, on Twitter, follow Anna at Anna at uh, Tarillo Tweets, which is T-A-R-U-L-L-O Tweets on uh, Twitter. And you can see her on the BBN Tonight Show with uh, Keith uh, Farmers. Obviously, the, the, we know the appeal when uh, they, they made you the uh, the offer for this job. Uh what do you hope to? What are some of the things you hope to bring to the show? Just excitement, really. That was the first thing. And um, me and Keith did like a preliminary interview for uh, what, before my first week on air, and we got done with it. And I just remember looking at him, being like, "That's just so easy to talk about." You know, this is stuff I talk about whether people want to hear it or not. How much I love the cats and just my experience growing up a fan. 
So I think what I've always prided myself on, um, just in the industry, an intangible that I bring is just excitement and enthusiasm, and it's just part of who I am. And I think um, some of the people that I like watching the best on any uh, platform, whether it's news, sports, whatever, are people who are just wholly themselves. You know, you that red light comes on and you're not getting anything different. You don't necessarily even change your tone, anything. Maybe clean up some language, but, you know, you're the same person on camera as off camera uh, because you care about what you're talking about. And for me, that has always been my goal and always been so impar- important. And I can't think of another situation where I could do that besides talking about Kentucky athletics. So I just feel incredibly lucky to be here to talk about what I love and care about every day with people who want to listen. Anybody that uh, you tried to, to emulate or particularly admired their work as you were coming up in this business? Yeah, not um, not anyone too in particular. I've gotten a lot of great advice from you know, not even women who are older who I just have so much respect for. Even when I was in college, uh, that blew my mind. Some of the best women you'll ever meet who want to help younger girls. And I try to do that as well. You know, ask me anything. I think um, even from my peers is who I get great advice from. One of my best friends at UGA, Olivia Harlan Decker. So she was just Olivia Harlan back there. And her dad uh, is a sportscaster. And Olivia is just so talented, one of the hardest workers I've ever met, and even from the time we were in college, what I picked up from her, just, you know, your voice is so important, especially as a female, you know, Um, just having command of what you're talking about, and it's so much more. She even gave advice, you know, listen back to your clips with your eyes closed. It's not about how you look or, you know, that's part of it. TV is a visual medium, but so much of it is what's coming out of your mouth is what's important, and just keeping your head down, staying in your own lane. Uh, it's a competitive business, and one day you're going to feel like you're behind, and the next day you're going to feel like you're ahead, and you can't ever pay attention to that because it all changes so quickly. So uh, I think that was some of the best advice, and the best thing is that it came from a peer, you know, so it gives you that confidence that uh, you can be polished and have that confidence even just as a beginner in the industry. Yeah. Kevin's a good friend, her dad, and uh, oh, I don't know awesome. Olivia very well, but it uh, kind of seems like from watching her work, that apple didn't fall very far from the tree, so you get some no, good advice. they are the best family. They're great people. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk again, yeah. but uh, thank, thank you for you. the time. Thanks so much. Anna Terrillo, you can see her on BBN Tonight, weeknights on the UK TV Network. We'll see you tomorrow with Freddie Maggard and Mike DeCorp.